But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, who among us yeah. has not taken a, a spouse's or significant other's finger and woken up their telephone while they're asleep? <laughs> Who is among that, us? Is that what happened here? Oh my! I didn't hear. I didn't read that part of the story. Okay, so uh, uh, yeah, let's. Well, let me back up one step. I had one question about the story before we get into the the real juice of the real meat, if, if you will, of the story. The real <laughs> the, the finger point of the story here. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh, Jeb, you uh-huh. being our resident uh, Persian Gulf expert, right? I've never been clear how you say the name of this nation, which is also the name of the. I've airline. heard it both ways. I've yeah. heard it as Qatar. Qatar. I've heard it as Qatar. Qatar. Those are the two. For years, I said Qatar, but it seems like Qatar has become much more, uh-huh. more common lately. Uh, when I was in the Middle East recently, everyone referred to it as Qatar. Qatar. Okay. But I've people who whose opinion on these things I do respect um, um, have have used the fre- uh, the, the, the pronunciation Qatar. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's the country that's spelled Q-A-T-A-R. I go with the BBC slash NPR pronunciation, which is Qatar. Qatar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you almost don't even hear the R. Right. Okay, that makes okay. sense. Well, it's a Boston pronunciation then. Yeah, okay. Um, so there, uh, are, so this couple are flying someplace on Qatar Airlines flight. And she decides that she, I don't know what, wants to play solitaire on her husband's phone, and, but it's locked. I don't know, I'm making that part up, all right? Is that what happened, Jeb? I don't well, the, the, the second graph of the story says, says, the woman who was with her husband and their young child uh, unlocked her sleeping hubby's phone by putting his finger on the home button and found evidence he was cheating on her. Okay. <laughs> the woman who had reportedly been drinking alcohol then started a fight with her husband, shocked. I'm shocked about that. And, quote, misbehaved, unquote, when flight crew tried to calm her down. Um, the situation got out of hand, and the pilot made the decision to divert. So. Uh, yeah, okay. The, uh, the, the, is it the first graph? Someplace, yeah, the first graph of the story refers to it as an emergency landing. I, the, I wouldn't imagine this is actually an emergency landing. Unless, unless the woman really was out of hand. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, you know, and, and strictly speaking, I guess it does endanger the flight, but probably not. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you know, for, their, for their record system, they don't have domestic dispute landing in, in, in their database. <laughs> that's that's okay. probably true. They, they, yeah, they've got, you know, uh, engine failure, uh, hole in fuselage, um, complete electrical failure. They don't have irate passenger uh, um, um, or, or a marital infidelity in there on the, on the checklist. And, and, okay. and that's, that's what they pretty consistently call these diversions is what I call them. What's that? When there's some kind of human event on board that causes the flight crew to say, Foxtrot Oscar, we're getting the <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, indeedy. Yes, indeedy. So, um, so they landed... But, uh, but uh, again, who, who among us yeah. has, has not 
you know, uh, taken the finger of of of, of our significant <laughs> other and put it on the phone just to wake up the phone. Who among us? Sure, really? sure, sure. Me, it, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm coming to you from a high atop lookout point in uh, beautiful Nottingham, New Hampshire, uh, where it's uh, it's deeply we're deeply into the fall weather here, and uh, the uh, <laughs> people don't understand. So I live on the, on a lake, and normally looking out my window, well, always looking it's out my window. It's a pond. It's a pond. It's it's okay. All right, let's come back. Walt, as, Walden puddle. As someone I was listening to recently said, let's put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, is uh, it's so it's a it's a it's a, a body of water all year round, all right. But w- uh, in the fall, they lower the level of the body of water by uh, almost five feet um, in order to protect the structures along the shoreline and give us a chance to do uh, um, maintenance and also as f- spring flood control. And so it's there, there's a lot less water out here in front of my house. Is get what I'm getting at right now than than usual. Um, we all my when I was a kid, we used to call it the backside of the moon, because we're seeing the bottom of the the lake is very shallow right out in front of my house, and so we're just seeing the bottom of the lake out here, and it looks, you know, except for being brown instead of gray, it looks very much like the pictures we saw of. Actually, it looks a lot like the Mars pictures now. We shouldn't call it the the hmm. back the the backside of the moon anymore. We should call it the the surface of Mars. Anyways, I'm here in our virtual hangar, uh, looking out at my window and and my lake and my pond, my whatever body of water it is, and uh, talking with my two good friends here uh, in the virtual hangar. One of those voices out there uh, is uh, from somewhere near. I was going to say somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, but I guess see, I'm confused. I was going to hold Jeb till later, so that we could revisit the pin. This is my thinking. See, this is, uh, I'm always trying to manage the podcast, right? Whatever blows your skirt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that back, and I'm gonna say from the air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, is Dave Higdon. Hi, David. What's going on with you? Uh, sliding into fall. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. Uh, I just got back. From, well, I don't want to talk about me. Yeah. So what 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 does sliding into fall mean in in Wichita terms? Well, in my neighborhood, it means repeated multiple deep leaf cleanings because we got so many bloody trees in my neighborhood. I can clean the yard, have it spick and span, and two windy days later, it looks like all the trees in the neighborhood came and shook their leaves off in my yard again. That's what fall means here. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is up here too. You, uh, so, so the old saying "make like a tree and leave" really is a, 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 an epithet. <laughs> oh no, I yeah. ever heard that one, but I like it. I like it. Make like a tree and leave. <laughs> and that's the voice of my other good friend here in the virtual hangar from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. Is Jeb Burnside? Hi, Jeb. How are you doing? I am just spiffy. So. Yeah. What else is going on? You just got back from a, from a, a, an exotic trip, I mean, although it's a trip that you've been doing exotically yeah. every year now for a few yeah. years. Yeah, I just got back from a week in Dubai. In for Dubai, the, the Dubai, Dubai Airshow. Air a little bit later on, yeah. I'm going to ask you if you want to tell us anything about that. But uh, okay. But first, I want to rebuild it, so let me go back to the pin here. Um, the pin. Pond versus lake, okay? Pond Listeners lake. should know that this is actually all about me challenging the status of Jeb's body of water i was going to use some sort of other term in in his backyard all right um a body of water which is approximately 50 yards in diameter with a island in the middle 50 yards in diameter is that 
Oh no, that's not even remotely accurate. How how big would you say the uh, the the bridge, the footbridge that we we that rebuilt? But of course, you know how long that is, don't you? How long? Seventy two feet. Seventy two feet. So give it another twenty feet to the center of the island. Let's just call it a uh-huh. nice round hundred feet to the middle of the island, which uh-huh. would make it two hundred feet, which is two thirds of a hundred. Which is the narrow part. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's longer front to back. Than so it two is. to three hundred feet in diameter. Yeah. Which you believe is what a lake or a pond? I call it a lake. Okay. Because it has an island in it. It has an island. Ponds don't have islands. Uh, then, not generally. Well, then, then mine is not a not a pond either. I mean, I've got many. Okay, I, many. I, I'll accept that, but I, that doesn't mean that if you consider my body of water to be a pond, I can't get in yeah, your grill okay. about See, it. See, you, you snuck that up on me. You backed me into that. You tricked me. You tricked me. All right, listeners, tell us how this works. But well, I looked this up when I last winter when we were talking about this, and I forget the exact definition. It had to do with. Uh, the the depth slash clarity of the water and whether or not you could see the bottom or something like that whether no pond or a lake or something that's absurd anyways listeners by that definition half of the bahamas is a lake yeah listeners well it's okay freshwater i would imagine but okay uh listeners that's enough we're going to talk about aviation now but listeners yeah tell us how this works check us check in Uh, uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. on twitter you can uh, use the notification class g airspace or you can send it to one of us or and i refuse the right to disregard all comments (laughs) that's right that's right lake or a pond what's the definition uh is jeb's body of water a lake or a pond what's going on here we haven't talked in a long time we've had uh, so this is probably uh, we're fighting with skype this morning that's one of the things i want to m- moan about um a rant about and uh, this may well be by the way so many many milestones this may well be the last episode we record with skype where we're, we're going to take okay. a little vacation after this and when we come back from the vacation we're going to try a whole different technology so we'll, this may be the last and it's just in, actually it's just well, a little bit too we're late use, like when you use like what telephones uh no no i found a whole new voice over ip solution that's exactly specifically for podcasters and it does Ooh. some really interesting things and uh, um it, it we'll see if it works we haven't actually tested i've tested it you know individually privately but uh, three of us have not um and so we'll give that a try something for the pod people yeah yeah so uh, if it works if it works as advertised it'll be great because it does a lot of things that help me with production and uh, um anyways uh skype i yeah i went to I, I, I'm using a backup computer today because mine's in the shop and, and Skype was not properly installed on this one or it's actually an old version was installed so it did an upgrade and Skype is, just looks completely different to me you guys have been complaining about this for a while now but I mm-hmm. I, I rolled mine back I think Dave did too um, the, part of the deal is I, I, I don't know on a Macintosh but uh, on a on a Windows machine Windows 10 apparently has some um, Skype functionality built into it, and it's just whacked. Um, you can't find anything. Um, uh, setting options is is uh, kind of a hit or miss thing, and I, I took it off and, and rolled mine back to the the standalone um, uh, Skype version for Windows, and it seems to be back to normal. But mm-hmm. that was some time ago. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, it looks completely different on my computer. I couldn't, yeah. literally cannot figure out. I was unsure whether I was using it properly. It looks so different. So, anyways. Uh, what do we got here? 
NTSB. NTSB sent out some sort of uh, extra special alert or, or announcement oh, yeah. or, um, <clears throat> about about in, intersection takeoffs being problematic. Um, who put this on the list? I think. I, oh, maybe I did. Well, you did, and Dave did. And Dave I did. did. Right. Dave did. So I I'm think gonna, we both did. Yeah, I, but Dave, I'm going to invite you to talk about this a little bit, to just to start things off. Um, wh- what has NDSB said here and why? Well, the topic being intersection takeoffs uh, it came to light because of yet another accident in which uh, an engine failure ended off airport when it could have ended up back on the takeoff runway uh, had the pilot not used an intersection takeoff, used an intersection to start his takeoff run instead of using the entire length of the runway. And mm-hmm. that's the whole point of this is that, uh, yeah, you save yourself three or four minutes from not taxiing all the way to the far end of the runway. And you wind up paying for it when you don't have that extra runway in front of you, when you have maybe a shut-off fuel valve that causes the engine to stop or an empty tank or a pump failure or some other reason why power suddenly dies. Mm -hmm. And you no longer have nice, smooth pavement in front of you like you would have if you'd have started at the far end of the runway, the departure end of the runway. You have... Trees, a fence, trucks, a parking lot, a shopping center, could be any number of things. Right. right. So they're they're pushing this idea that my flight instructor has always pushed, is that if you're going to do an intersection takeoff, make sure you've got enough runway left there that if you have to abort, you've got room to come back down and still be on the runway. Right, right. Which means not starting the takeoff from the mid field taxiway on a 4,200 foot runway yeah. and leaving 2,200 feet behind you and, or 2,000 feet. And the truth is that that's a tricky question. You make sure you've got enough runway to be able to stop because you don't know the circumstances of how you might have to stop. I mean, it's like, Take it from me. You don't know when the engine is going to quit. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, you know, it's one of the three most useless, you know, the legend of the three most useless things to a pilot. Right. Runway behind you, fuel on the in 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 the tank truck, and altitude above you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you get no use out of those. And the charts you left in the in the trunk <laughs> of the car. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I this I think this is pretty good advice. I have to admit that I I I don't I don't take advantage of intersection takeoffs very often, hardly ever. Um, but I think I probably would have always considered it as being fairly harmless in my little small airplanes because I don't need all of a 5,000 foot runway to take off. So, so I'll just go for it. It's no problem in my little airplane. Um, but it's not about having enough length to take off. It's, it's about having enough length to stop. Well, several, several acquaintances of mine would still be with us if their last takeoff had started from the far end of the runway right. instead of an intersection beyond the midpoint of the runway. Yeah. Uh, I've done intersection takeoffs. I've done intersection takeoffs at the uh, two thousand foot mark on a nine thousand foot runway, right? Which meant I still had seven thousand feet of pavement in front of yeah, me. Yeah, well, that's probably okay, I guess. But yeah. well, and I knew the airplane well enough to know that at the end of the runway, seven thousand feet in front of me, that I would be four hundred, five hundred feet in the air. 
losing power at that point, I got a lot more options uh, than if I lose power and only have 500 feet of runway in front of me. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I, and and I, I did exactly this thing some earlier this year. I was taking off out of Lakeland, Florida, where Sun and Fun is held, and. Uh, I went and taxied full, you know, I could have taken an intersection departure. Uh, I went and taxied f- to the full length of the runway and did my run up and ready for takeoff, clear for takeoff, lined up, firewall the throttle. Just as the airplane broke ground, the, the cabin door pops open. Right. And uh, I said, oops, well, I got, you know, 5,000 feet of runway in front of me. Yep. Let's just land. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. I, at some point along the way, I mashed a mic button and told the tower I was aborting and um, ended up rolling out uh, and coming to, you know, making the, the taxiway that I'd used on my, my landing arrival like an hour earlier and um, taxied clear and, and uh, shut the door, made sure it was secured this time and uh, taxied back and took off. Uh, if I had, um, well, if, if that had been Hidden River, for example, with, with much less runway, uh, that would not have happened. I would have had to, to go. I would have had to go on around. Right. Uh, but there was plenty of runway. Um, uh, the gear was still down. There wasn't any configuration issues with the airplane. Um, put it right back down. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, it, it, A very different situation, but kind of makes me think of it was a, a training moment that I had a few years back uh, when I was doing a BFR um, up at uh, Skyhaven Airport in Rochester, New Hampshire. And uh, uh, I was with an instructor, obviously, and we were we had been doing the air work, and he had already told me he had expressed satisfaction with my, my, my fly, flying. And so we were just kind of doing some other stuff and practicing, and we were doing a whole bunch of pattern work. We were just doing uh, touch and goes and, and going round and round and round. And we were reaching the end. I knew we were just about done, and he said to me, do you want to go, you know, we, 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 I think we were actually rolling on the ground, and he says, "You want to do one more?" And I said, "Yeah, okay." And so, full power, do all the things you do to uh, to lift off. And about fifty to a hundred feet off the pavement, he chopped the power on me. Okay, um, and very, very interesting uh, training experience because I'd never had anything like. I mean, I obviously, done a lot of engine out stuff at altitude, but to have engine out that close to the ground, all right. Um, was was a real a real experience and a real eye opener to how that all works, um, because I that low to the ground you really have a sensation of how how quickly you're sinking you're settling, and uh, and I felt like we were going down too fast. All right, I wanted to arrest the descent a little bit, and so I went to pull back. I thought I was at a good attitude, and, and I went to pull back on the yoke a little bit to to, to slow down the descent. And my instructor was ready for me to do that, and he put his hand on his yoke and said, "No, don't do that. All right, you'll stall." And uh, and so he said, "I said we're going, we're going to come down pretty firm." And he says, "Yeah, it'll be fine." And we did. We come down. We touched down. And we we touched down pretty hard. Um, but God bless those uh, 152 spring, you know, uh, 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 the leaf spring landing the, gear. Leaf spring landing gear can take it. I'll tell you. Um, and obviously, he wouldn't have done this, uh, I hope, I think. Yeah, he seems like a pretty good instructor. Wouldn't have done this if we hadn't had a long enough runway ahead of us right. to, uh, to be able yeah. to do this safely. And we did. We, we got down and stopped in plenty of time. It was never, that, that part of it was never an issue. Uh, were, were you worried about 
when when you wanted to pull the the yoke back, pull the nose out, what were you worried about? Uh, literally, I just I, I thought we're gonna we're gonna plant this thing real firm on the runway, and uh-huh. I just thought this uh-huh. would be too you know more than you know was was advisable. I thought you know I want to. Did I wanna... you did you not have enough room to flare? Uh. I, I th- I'm trying to remember. Um, it, it was a long time ago. Um, I, 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 th- I don't think we did much flair. Uh, I think, <laughs> I think once yeah. he put his hand, you know, and he never flew the airplane exactly. He basically just blocked his yoke. Sure. He blocked sure. me from pulling the yoke back. Um, so I, I basically, uh, other than him correcting this one, one aspect of control, um, I was flying the airplane the whole way. And, uh, and and he said no, you'll be fine. <laughs> and so we came down, and I don't think there was a flare. I think we pretty much planted it right, you know. And uh, and and it was, you know, we didn't break anything. Obviously, I mean, neither outside or inside the airplane, we didn't break anything. Um, I, I my recollection is that there wasn't an awful lot of flare that happened um, at this point. It's like I probably tried a little bit, maybe, but yeah, it was very interesting. I, I, it was a very very interesting edu- uh, training moment to. Uh, to see how that works so close to the ground. Um, one one other aspect of that kind of a, of a simulation, or in fact an outright emergency, um, you know, you're so you've got the nose up, you're climbing, you're at I don't know 70 knots. Uh, what you what you'd be flying as as your target airspeed in a 152. Um, and when the engine does quit, if you don't get the nose down, yeah, you will stall. Yeah. And as I recall, got to get that nose down. And in my my, especially in that kind of a scenario, my thinking is get it down even further than you really might want, um, so that you can have some excess airspeed, so you can flare. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I my rec again. I'm, I'm a lot of this is I'm trying to remember details of how this all worked. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that I did the right thing as far as getting the nose down. I kind of knew that was an issue. Right. Um, right. And so um, the moment he chopped the power, after about a second and a half of, really? Are you kidding me? Wow, okay. Um, I, I knew well, that I needed to get yeah. the nose to a different place. And uh, I think I had a good attitude prior to deciding I wanted to slow down the descent, which is when he stopped me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, But we had plenty of runway, which I think is what triggered this. Yeah, that's, that's the key to this whole conversation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so... You know, think twice about intersection takeoffs, even in our little airplanes that can take off in very short space, because there's more to it than just takeoff. Yep. What else here, uh, Jeb? We alluded to the fact that you just were in Dubai for the air show, did? Yeah. Uh, and and the nature of your work is you you don't necessarily get to see very much of these things, at least get out and about. But right. But anything you can report to us? Did you see anything? What was it? What was it like this time? Um. <sighs> Pretty pretty nominal as far as uh, that show is concerned. You know, I'm, I'm not an expert, uh, but uh, my second time for that show and and third time for shows at that site. Um, two interesting things I thought. Um, one was the, the um, Russian, um, I guess, it Russian Air Force uh, flight demonstration team, whatever whatever they're called. I think they're called the Russian Knights. Yeah. Um, um, had a had the four ships of their uh, uh, of their team there, and they're flying Su twenty seven Sukhoi Su twenty sevens. This is the uh, I guess it's a fourth generation fighter 
uh, with thrust vectoring, and mm-hmm. of course, you know, way way more more power than than it really needs, especially at uh, light loads for for air shows. I haven't seen an airplane do things like that before. Okay, for example, uh, uh, an inverted flat spin. Um. With no airspeed, because the guy went straight up, had no airspeed, tips it over, inverted flat spin, maybe 500 feet, I don't know how many turns, uh, and uh, revectors the thrust and punches punches the throttle up, and boom, it comes right back out. Um, the guy was doing backslides with mm-hmm. this thing, go straight up, let it let it stop, and let it fall back down vertically, uh, tail first. And recover from that, and I'm like, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't really talk when I was looking at that. It was, it was just, you know, kind of some flying that I've never really seen before, mm-hmm. not with that kind of airplane. Right. Now, sure, I've seen, you know, somebody do that with a pits and do a tail slide, and things like that. Right. Um, but um, not with uh, a Mach two jet. Yeah. I've seen so video was, of them doing some outrageous yeah. things with those airplanes, yeah. but yeah, that, to see it with your eyes, that that was yeah, that's, pretty cool. That was pretty cool. And then there was a lot of um, other demonstration teams that I thought were very interesting. I didn't know the UAE had its own flight demonstration team. They do. They're flying a uh, uh, a jet trainer, the exact nomenclature of which uh, eludes me, but it's a straight wing uh, uh, jet. Um, Doing multicolored formation, uh, multicolored smoke uh, uh, formation flying, and and a lot of little crossovers. It was just it was just kind of neat. Yeah. Um, what um, nation was that again? You the UAE, uh, yeah, yeah, United, United Arab, Arab Emirates. Emirates. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, they, just a nice little display. I, I uh, thought it was very cool, and uh, a lot of little things like that. Um, too many Airbuses, too many Boeings, um, too much military, not not nearly, you know, hardly any piston GA. Yeah. Um, but a lot of Gulfstreams, a lot of a lot of Falcons, a lot of uh, uh, legacies and things like that. Yeah. As I understand it, that's the nature of that air show. It's a, that's it's, the nature of that show. It, it's not a light GA show. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's, it's, a it's commercial, it's commercial airliners, military, commercial military, and, and heavy corporate. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's it like to try? How long does it take to get there? Too long. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Like yeah. T- 14 hours. It's 14 hours, 16 to get back. And is that door-to-door? No, that's more than that, door-to-door. That's, that's, that's just like than, the primary flight, right? That's just, that's gate-to-gate. Yeah. 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 There's there's more to it than that. Um, uh, especially when it takes uh, 20 minutes to get your bags uh, on the carousel. Um, you think that's bad? I, I guess 20 is at the high end, but I wouldn't, I got 20, yeah. Well, maybe it was 30. I don't know. It seemed like a long time. Um, um, but, uh, you know, these, um, and being, um, a flight from, from the Middle East, um, I don't know how many times I was asked if I packed my own bag. Or if anybody had given me anything to bring with me, or you know these kinds of questions, it was um, security was was um, tighter than I've seen it. Yeah, for that route. Yeah, I I, I'm, I guess I have no experience, but I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, good, good time was had by all, yeah. and uh, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, here I am. Yeah. 
Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Mostly recovered. Welcome home. Thank you. Um, so with this uh, Boeing, so I'm not, I don't know who put this on the list, and it might have been me, but I don't recall this. The 737 uh, serious incident. Oh, yeah. What does it say here? Dave. It Dave, like real f- quick. Quick question. Yeah. What do the FAA and the Boeing 737 have in common? <laughs> <laughs> because they both roll for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah. And so is that yeah. what happened here? Who wants to talk about this? Uh I didn't put this on there. Uh, this there's, is, a simu- there's a simulation of it um, on on the uh, link that's uh, in the show notes. Um, yeah. Let's see. At a speed of 133 to 134 knots, the auto throttle increased engine power to 75% in one. Upon catching, capturing the glide path, the flaps were selected further down to 30 degrees, and the autopilot was disengaged. At that time, airspeed was 129 knots at 19 degrees nose up. Uh, yeah, that's a little steep. With the auto throttle still engaged, the engines powered up to 95% in one. This caused a pitch-up momentum to 45 degrees nose up. Airspeed dropped to less than 100 knots, and the stick shaker activated, you yeah. think? Yes, <laughs> The aircraft rolled 33 degrees to the right, then 34.8 degrees to the left. Pitch supposedly decreased to 30, with speed dropping to 60 knots, indicated airspeed. I, I didn't think this airplane could fly. I, well... It's got 95% in one, so it'll, it'll do this for a little while. I guess. Um, uh, the aircraft is then thought to have rolled 96 degrees to the right, pitching 14 degrees nose down. Then it banked for another 45 degrees to the left, with speed increasing to 150 knots indicated. Uh, a flight crew regained control at an altitude of about 1,100 feet. Uh, presumably, that's that's AGL. Um, and... Um, Reported to ATC, they were going around <laughs> because, <laughs> because, because the approach was unstabilized. Well, duh. Yeah. Um, they landed after the second approach. The aircraft was on the ground for 12 days. No, no, no news on this particular site as to what happened and what was fixed to put it back in service. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that, that's. I can imagine a big pucker sound getting out of the captain's yeah. chair. Um, um, yeah, that's kind of you. You want to you want to you want to pull that little flap up, you know, that's on the, that's on the suction cup. Sometimes a little flap that releases the pressure. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> releases the vacuum. That's that's what you need for one of those. Uh, ouch! Is is all I can say. I just did it. Yeah. I mean, and and this is not a fly by wire airport right. airplane. This right. is a, yeah, this is a seven three dash five hundred. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah, it's not fly by wire. Yeah, this is the kind That's of the same. I wouldn't be same surprised generation to hear as, from an Airbus, but but yeah. yeah, it's it's. Well, this is the same generation as the three uh, sevens that had the uh, rudder valve That's reversal true. problem. That's true. That caused two to two or three to roll over and crash two i know right two two i know of yeah. yeah but they fixed that i would imagine haven't they <sighs> they did um and it was it it was a rudder uh, servo yeah, uh, that, like that, that apparently they changed out um and um it, it could simply be you know that 
you know, maintenance or configuration or, or the part was past overhaul or something like that. I'm not suggesting, well, let's back up. That presumes that the, this activity, this behavior is the same as what caused those crashes back in the 90s. Yeah. And yeah. I don't, it doesn't appear to be that same kind of right. behavior. Because it seems um, to all be associated to the fact that the auto throttle was going crazy, right? Well, auto throttle was was still engaged. Now, according to this, the autopilot had been disengaged before all this behavior began. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and, and apparently, the um, when the engines powered up, um, the crew allowed the nose to get too high. Um, 45 degrees max or 45 degrees, uh, nose up. That's, that's a, that's a pucker factor alone right there. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wonder if, uh, uh, they weren't, I don't know. It's hard to say. I I really don't want to second guess a crew, but, um, when the engine, when you, when you add power, typically the nose comes up. When the when the uh, the thrust line is is uh, uh, below the CG, so um, maybe they just allowed the nose to get too high and they wallowed around uh, uh, in in imminent stall territory here for too long before they got control back. Um, Gremlins. 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 Yeah. Gremlins. I mean, yep. you know, whether or not the pilots are contributed to the problem, I, I give them a lot of props for no pun oh, intended yeah. for for getting out of this thing. Man, what a wild ride that must have been! And uh, to, it could have been it could have been this wife and her husband from that Qatar <laughs> flight. You yeah. know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I, when I first heard this report, I, I was I was for a moment a little amazed that they did a go around to be honest with you all right uh, the airplane did something this in crazy i'm thinking get let's get on the ground right now um you know even to go around you know you're thinking is this going to happen again you know and i suppose they hand flew it all the way through the go around i would imagine yeah i'm scroll I'm, down I'm, a little bit and look at the um um look at the weather uh okay where we got here weather You're assuming I can I can still read these things. All right. Okay. Uh, no, 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 give me a shot here. All right. Uh, it's got information about time and date. Um, R24. I don't know what that is. Uh, broken. Runway, runway 24. Runway 24. Uh, what is, is 1,600 to ceiling? It looks like 1,600 broken. is visual range. Uh, okay. So uh, BR. Um, and then we've got overcast, overcast. Overcast. 100 feet. 100 feet. Oh, oh yeah. so they're above the clouds at this point. Yeah. Um uh, yeah. Well, presumably. Yeah. Uh, temperature uh, eight, dew point seven. Uh, I don't know what Q is. Altimeter setting. Um, uh, thank you. Um, see, run my two four two nine or zero. At f- that's not right. Oh, that's, looks like wind, but I don't know if it is. It right. looks like wind, but I, I don't think that's right. Oh, I guess that is right. But fifty knots? That's not right. That can't be right. No. Two nine zero. That is right. Anyways, do they all yeah. overcast? So they, so they, oh, the, they, the little, I mean, they were they were solid IFR here for a while. The, the little video of the whole thing that they played off the simulation is really breathtaking. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I haven't actually watched it. I'm afraid to play it right now for fear it will make noise. But, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, um, uh, who knows what happened here? Yeah. But yeah, I would have gone around with that with that weather. Oh yeah, I'd have yeah. gone around. Now, I, I I would have bent the throttles into the into the radome. Right. Um, going around. So it happened in Russia. 
but yeah. what is the airline here? Uh, the carrier is Utair or Utair. Is, is Ut is that a is that a Russian carrier? Or is that I a, have no idea. UT what I'm Air getting is. at here is I'm wondering who would be the NTSB like body that would investigate this. Well, if it was Russian airspace, it would be the Russian uh, uh, authority, and there is one. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Anyways, um, crazy, crazy. Everybody look yeah. at the video, man. It's just, it, it's got to be nuts. And uh, it's a simulation, I should point out. There's no real video of this. It's just a, yeah. it's a recreation using probably some flight sim program where they input the parameters. But, uh, and, and like I said, congratulations to these pilots for for managing to get this thing under control. Mm -hmm. landed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, roll over for no reason at all. Yep. Um, that was a scary time back then when those seven threes were going down and we couldn't quite it, it figure truly out was uh, yeah. I got off a plane one day you know hair on my way somewhere and everybody's kind of walking around glum and I'm like what's going on this was you know 89 90 something like that and um, uh, it was a little bit later than that, maybe 92 and I come to find out that a seven three that had departed O'Hare um, a couple of hours before I got there, had crashed on approach to Colorado Springs. And I was like, I think that was the second uh, f um, fatal loss of the airplane. Right. Um, uh, uncontrolled uh, rolling incident. Yeah. Um, Approximately what year was that? That would have been early 90s, 92-ish. Yeah. Jane Garvey was... Administrator. Okay. Yeah, see, because that was when that was when I was a either a very new new pilot or, or even a student pilot. I remember, and and so obviously it was on my mind. Um, well, and if memory serves, one incident occurred from the same cause uh, uh, as the two seven thirty seven accident, but the crew was able to uh, get the aircraft stable, and there was actually a human to talk to the engineers about what the hell would happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that they could program it into a simulator and find out that nope, this doesn't fit any norm simulation, right, and started right. them looking at the rudder valves. Yeah, I, I remember thinking at the time. I think a lot of people thought that it had to do with a microburst. Um, that, that that this air that the Colorado Springs one had approached over the front range there and descended down through some maybe some sort of in, un, unseen rotor action or you know or something like that but obviously well, while we're talking about it i just playing a little, a little bit here with um, with wikipedia uh there's a there's a page on wikipedia's boeing 737 rudder issues uh and the the colorado springs flight we're talking about was uh, march 3 1991 okay okay uh united flight 585 which in fact was a 737-200 not a later uh, uh 500 model um, so there was, there was that one, there was uh, a 94 crash, U.S. Air Flight 427, which was a 73-300, uh, crashed on approach to Pittsburgh. Um, and then there was a, um, loss of control, air, um, of, um, another 737, uh, Eastwind Airlines Flight 517, um, Trenton to Richmond, Virginia, um, experienced two episodes of rudder reversal while on approach to land in, in Richmond. Um, that um, that flight landed safely. Mm -hmm. um, going back to this Colorado Springs accident, in fact, um, 
the National Transportation Safety Board, this is, I'm quoting from the probable cause finding, the National Transportation Safety Board, after an exhaustive investigation effort, could not identify conclusive evidence to explain the loss of United Airlines Flight 585. Um, right. Apparently, so, they, 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 they revised that um, subsequently, according to the Wikipedia article, and in fact, uh, blamed the... Um, Rudder power control unit servo yeah. valve. Yeah. yeah, but it was so, quite a puzzle for quite some. Time. It was quite a puzzle there for, a, for oh, a yeah. years, big time. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyways, automated weather observation one six five five Zulu, wind one six zero zero seven, visibility one zero, sky condition scattered three thousand five hundred, broken nine or thousand, temperature two zero Celsius. 2.10 Celsius, altimeter 2.992. Remarks. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. A lot of stories in the news lately about 747s being retired. Well, is this or anything to this? I mean, I, it, it's just a sort of an end of life thing. I, we, I, we may even have talked about this a little bit on the podcast in the past, but uh, it's been so long since we. we <laughs> I should explain to people why. I don't know if I think I don't think I did it to start out with. We we uh, uh, some combination of, of bad weather and travel and whatnot, and it's literally been a month since we recorded, which was on it. And and technical issues and no internet. And, yeah, it's um, like uh, well, that's what the weather part was. That uh, yeah, is it, right. you know, I think I I went into a big travel thing, and as we said, Jeb went to Dubai, and um, and that sort of delayed things. And then we had a scheduled time for like a week or week and a half ago which I came home from a trip to discover that my internet was dead and wasn't coming back anytime soon. So that delayed that one. So it's, it's been a while since we recorded, but, uh, um, this, this is a lot of, this is a lot of nostalgia premature about the seven fours going away. Yeah. I mean, Delta stopped flying their seven four sevens in September and, you know, victim of time, technology and economies, Wide body twins are much more economical and can now get into the same territory passenger wise and seat mile cost wise, even below the 747. So then last week it was United that made a big deal out of retiring its last 747 by recreating the San Francisco to Honolulu flight with which they launched 747 service back in 1970, I believe it was. But there's still four sevens. I mean, oh, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of them flying all over the world. Yeah, yeah there there was a, um, I think it was Flight Radar 24 had a Twitter post up in the last week or so, did a screenshot of, <clears throat> I think it was the Pacific, and um, um, sorted just just for 747s. And there was just, you know, scores of them, right. maybe 100 or so in airborne at that all at one point. Only eight of them were passenger flights. Right. The rest were all cargo. Yeah. Cargo, I would imagine they're. I mean, I, you know, the seven forty seven is one of the airplanes that's on my list of of great designs, and oh, yeah. uh, I, I got to figure seven fours are going to be flying for you know, 
someday people will see seven fours at the airport the way we currently see uh, uh, DC threes. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a, one of those airplanes that that just won't go away. And uh, um, and it originally wasn't designed to be a passenger airplane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I still have vivid memory of of uh, when these things first rolled out. You know, and I, I was I was basically three years old. I'm just that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. When uh, they sent they sent one or more of these out on publicity tours and one of them was on the parked on the ramp at uh, logan airport and this is back in the good old days when you could actually go out on a rooftop uh observation Uh area all right and uh which was maybe the roof of a two-story building basically and look down onto this thing and even looking down on it from a second story roof it was a huge airplane by comparison to all the other airplanes on the ramp and uh uh, and you, that was a small if, one. I mean, if you if, that one's probably, oh, that was that was probably an SP. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, well, whatever the first generation was, that's what it was. You know, I mean, it, this first was literally was the, was the Dash One Hundred. Yeah, th- this was literally the, they were they were just appearing in in in. Uh, yeah, the Dash One Hundred had a second version called the SP, uh-huh. right? And it was a shorter fuselage, uh, and longer range because it couldn't carry as much. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, but this airplane was uh, conceived originally to compete for the military heavy lifter contract that eventually went to Lockheed C five Galaxy, mm-hmm. and yeah. Boeing was nimble enough and savvy enough to see the uh, potential for not only air cargo but passenger at a time when the biggest things in the sky were seven oh sevens and DC. DC eights, I think. Right, right. And I mean, keep in mind that that's uh, it, it's currently and will be for some time now. Uh, still, the uh, the United States presidential aircraft um, is a yeah. is a seven forty seven. And and the the rumor or the story, I don't know what the latest is on this one, but didn't they hadn't they decided that Hello? the new ones were going to be seven forty seven as well? Yeah, Jack. Yeah. Hello, Jack. Can we me? can't hear you. Oh. Huh. Oh, can boy. You, can you wonder if you hit the mute button? No, I'm here. <laughs> Jack? Uh, Jack. Yeah. Oh, there you are. Now you got me? Yeah. What'd yeah. you do? What'd you do? I didn't do anything. I, 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 I thought it might be mute myself, but it wasn't. I, I mute, Mute's been off the whole time. I think Skype. This is freaking Skype. Yeah. Uh, last episode with Skype. Last episode with Skype. Where did you stop hearing me? Route. Say again? Routed. You said something about routed, but it was a good 10, 12 seconds there. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what I was talking about. I don't either. It may be on Um, the recording, too, because uh, when you guys were saying you can't hear me, I'm looking at my little indicator here, and it seemed like the recording thing was still hearing me. So it wasn't hmm. making its way to you. I may or may not clean it up. Listeners may have just heard an interesting little behind-the-scenes moment. uh, We we were wrapping up on the 747 nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. We're going to be seeing them on... You're going to be seeing them on the uh, flight tracking programs for... Oh yeah, another twenty years easily. Oh, easily, a long time easily. to come. A long time to come. And they're still making them. You know, they're still making the seven forty seven dash eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's not like um, it's um, not like it's an orphan or something. Right. Exactly. Right. Oh no, that's, that's what I was talking about. Did you hear me say that it's the uh, presidential airplane? 
Well, we, right. we did hear some of that, yeah. yeah and then I said that the that uh, I believe that the uh, the new ones that have been ordered or planned or whatever are also seven forty sevens as well. Yes. Yeah. So that's correct, and some Nimnol is toying with the idea of ordering them without airborne refueling capability, <laughs> which is like. Yeah. Oh, that will save a few million bucks. That's just cheap. Tangle Foxtrot Oscar. Yeah, that's nonsense. All right. Well, we're not exactly reaching the end of our allotted time, but we're starting. It's starting to see. I'm starting to see it on the horizon here. Let's let's look at this list and figure out what we want to talk about. Well, to finish up here. There's Uh, a list. Oh yeah. Okay. Crazy runway. Um, We've seen this kind of thing before, right? This guy landing the uh, Pilatus on. uh, on yeah. a, a, a jungle runway that's basically carved out of a hillside, and uh, it's very cool stuff. And it takes some 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 crazy piloting skills. But uh, I, I personally I don't, don't. Where is that on the link on the list? Uh, talk about bush runways. Oh, okay. All right. Um, yeah, so we've seen that. We saw this as long ago as Air America. The uh, the uh, the uh, right, right. Robert Downey Jr. movie. Right. Not really. It's sort of Robert Downey Jr. It was um, Mel Gibson uh, movie, I think. Mel Gibson, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's a there's a field in um, in the French Alps. Let me see if I could find that real quick. Oh yeah, I think I know the one you mean. That's like a real paved runway, right? That's a paved runway, but it's like a twenty degree slope or yeah, something right. like that. Yeah, they roll up the hill to the and, ramp yeah. at the top of the hill. One, one way in, and one way out. Way yeah. up there in elevation. Yeah, and you and you have to have. Uh, a special training or something approval to operate there. Right. Uh, yeah. And these are one way in, one way out. Exactly. And, and, and the way out's the other way. Yeah. Although the one that in this video that we're referring to, and of course we'll put a link in the show notes here, um, is uh, it, it appeared in the video that the pilot had the opportunity to circle the field before landing. So sometimes these things are a deal where you don't you don't even have that opportunity except from very very high you don't get to circle the field that yeah. um, you basically are, are snaking your way through canyons in order to finally see the runway at the last moment or oh my well, that's kind of what this guy's doing uh, yeah in Papua New, New Guinea yeah Wamina Wamina right. is the uh, is the destination and it's got some serious mountains there right yeah. right. So this guy, and I give him a lot of credit as a pilot because I'm Lord knows I couldn't do that. Um, and uh, so George O'Brien, age thirty. Yeah, it, and this may be a conversation for another day because this. But I, 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 it made me smile that one of the uh, the the captions for one of the in, at one moment in the video described him as the captain of this aircraft. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I was thinking, okay, you know, it's, I, you know, and I, in general, I, I'm, I, it, it puts me in the mind of one of my little things. All right, I am not real comfortable with what I call the militarization of aviation, um, and uh, it, it, it just, you know, the fact that pilots dress in military garb, military-inspired garb, you know, and uh, and they wear, they wear, you know, numerous bars on their shoulders to denote rank and mm-hmm. or, or seniority. Um, and, uh, um, and it's one thing if the airlines do it, eh, you know, who cares? But, uh, when, you know, the militarization of all kinds of aspects of aviation, I don't think it serves aviation. This is a big conversation maybe for another Yeah, we, and we, we've touched on this a lot in the past. Um I don't disagree with you. Um, the the um, uniforms that that uh, commercial pilots wear, airline pilots wear, 
uh, on one level, that's kind of useful. I mean, you got to know who to scream at when when things go wrong, and, yeah. and you scream at the four striper, the yeah, FO, right. the three striper. He doesn't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I think I think the militarization of of general aviation, and it does happen in general aviation as well. Not as much, but it does. You know, I mean, the fact that we all wear, we all love wearing flight jackets that are you know reminiscent of military flight, you know, air air force jackets or whatever branch is your, you know. Yeah, I love my A two. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I like I like mine too. Yeah. It's kind of outgrown it over the years. You know, but you know, pilot, and... pilot, civilian pilots were wearing leather jackets and leather pants uh, without going to the military because it was open cockpit airplanes and with no heater. Yeah, when it was a, when it was functional, I'm not. I, I'm totally with it. That's fine. All right? I just think yeah. um, I think the militarization. Uh, I'll just kind of like, and maybe we'll move on um, unless you guys want to continue. But the the militarization of general aviation puts general aviation in a bad context it makes it seem like something that it's really not and i think that frightens a lot of people away maybe frightens too strong a word but but it it it, it does not attract as many people um as as the alternative would i believe so well, well get back to this strip in new guinea you got to watch this video folks yeah, yeah because as he's the pilot george is weaving his way through the mountains here it, he turns a corner around a peak, and there's no canyon. There's just a slope that falls off on the left and right. And there's a strip cut, cut into it. It took those people 14 years. The pilot was only 16 when they started working on that strip. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, He's the David, first the, pilot to land there. The, the moment in the video where he turns final was kind of like a, oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, uh, and going around would be a cast iron. Uh, well, going around is, an, I think, a non-starter, literally and figuratively. You, yeah. You, uh, um, uh, if you're going around, you just stop your stop your descent and turn away from the strip. That's the only way to get away. Yeah. And even then, you're you're um, you don't have a whole lot of options. Um, I, I kind of wonder if this was the first whack at this, to be honest with you. Um, uh, the video could, could well have been cut. If it was not the first whack, first attempt at this, or, or the first pass at this runway, I have no blame whatsoever for the pilot. No, yeah. No, no, none whatsoever. Right, yeah. Um, anyways, okay. Hey, I want to jump ahead to shout-outs, but is there anything else that's prior to shout-outs here that you don't want to skip? I'm good could, to go. We could talk about these uh, defunct airliners, but we can do that anytime. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll come back. That'll 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 still be a thing when we return. Um, so shout outs. Um, while you guys organize your thoughts, let me do my sort of non-shout out, which is a little bit of a, of a podcast business. So this is the last episode that we're going to do for a while. We're not going away. Don't anybody panic. All right. I've gotten email and Twitters from people um, who are like all nervous about this. We're going to take a little vacation, a little hiatus, uh, up to six weeks. You know, you should sort of think in terms of, of late December, early January is when we'll be back with new episodes of Uncontrolled Airspace. Um, but nobody should worry. This is not a bad sign. This is not an indicator of anything else all right uh it's i've had people say 
are you really coming back or are you quitting? I, we're not quitting. We're not quitting. We're just taking a little break. All right. Uh, people have said, are, are all three of you coming back? Is one of you going to leave? And as far as I know, all three of us are coming back. I'm counting on all three of us coming back. Um, uh, in fact, we may come back and, and, and one of the things we may try and do when, when we return is to have a fourth person more often, um, yeah. um, both from our, our usual suspects as well as others. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, this is just a desire, mostly on my part. Jeb and Dave, I think, are prepared to continue a little bit more often but i really wanted a little bit of a break and catch my breath and i also want to kind of recast some of the production value stuff here so it may it'll still be the same kind of content the same sound the same voice the same people um i may change up the production value a little bit there might be a new theme there actually i want to actually we're going to change the voice thing around a little bit we're each going to get um tanks of helium yeah that's right and, yeah and no. we're going to do a special episode there you oh, go boy. there you go well no some of us are going to have helium and some of us are going to have what's the other one that makes your voice very low and, and grumbly you know right there's another know. gas that will do the goes the other direction okay we'll do that that'll be a special episode. now see now they're going to really expect this yeah 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 <laughs> well you know maybe it'll be this episode maybe it'll be the next episode yeah. we'll, we'll so, just yeah, we'll just you know, so so uh, yeah, the, you won't have a you won't have a UCAP a new UCAP episode for uh, a little while now, probably through most of December. Um, it's currently the just the week before Thanksgiving or the week of it's Monday of Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and uh, and it'll probably be late December or even early January when when you when you get another UCAP episode in in your in your feed. But then we'll be back same you know more or less same as ever. Um, so that's it. I just want to tell people. And uh, is is that a threat or a warning? Uh, you know. I, it's, an, I, yeah, it's an advisory. Sure. It yeah. is. It's exactly that. Right. Yeah. So yes. anyways, shout outs. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll take a dive. Yeah. Uh, Mary Jones. Yeah. Yes. Our old colleague from the Experimental Aircraft Association uh, is this year's inductee into EAA's Ultralight Hall of Fame. Uh, Mary's extraordinary lady uh she really is yeah yeah she was uh part of the publication staff at eaa for decades uh, was the editor of sport aviation for a while and she started uh, all this at three years old there you go <laughs> yeah right <laughs> anyway congrats to uh to mary for uh the recognition uh i think uh, past due yeah, and, and thanks, you know, for all the opportunities she's shown us also. Absolutely. That's right. Over the years. Absolutely. And, I don't know whether she was um, ever directly our boss, but but being a she well, was the head of the she was for a while. She had pass-fail authority at one level yeah, or exactly. another, too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, very, very capable person, very, yeah. very uh, uh, experienced in aviation, um, but couldn't be a nicer person i mean yeah. just the most pleasant big smile on her face great, great greeting every time you see her um and uh, i i agree with what david said and what jeb sort of agreed with which is that it couldn't be more deserved um yeah. that that she receives this kind of uh, of uh, of you know recognition congratulations mary that's awesome yeah jeb what do you got um Comanche Sue, a uh, longtime uh, listener and, and close friend of the podcast, uh, was uh, she has a, a um, uh, you know, I should say her day job is um, involved in uh, uh, basically the accounting industry, 
And uh, one of her strong suits is not coincidentally um, accounting for aircraft operation and uh, how you do that, what's what's deductible, what's not, that those kinds of issues. Uh, and she was uh, recently featured on a, uh, an episode of uh, NBAA, a National Business Aviation Association podcast, and just wanted to recognize Comanche Sue and, and uh, give her an girl. Yeah, she was on their flight plan podcast back on November 6th. You can still find it on the website. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Uh, I'm sure I'll think of something, but <laughs> I think I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Fork time. Fork time. Uh, thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure to get together. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's, it's we're not going to do episodes of a podcast for a few weeks, but uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch and, and talking on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, but uh, I, I, as far as our virtual hangar is concerned, I want to thank you and uh, tell you it's always a lot of fun to get together. Uh, uh, Jeb Burnside is a uh, Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor in chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on uh, since you've been back? Um, inspecting my eyelids for the most part, trying yeah. to <clears throat> trying to get reacclimated to. Uh, to the time zone change, um, getting geared up for the January issue of Aviation Safety. Um, in the December issue, not coincidentally, uh, we talked about uh, the uh, NTSB's recent uh, uh, advisory on uh, runway length and not using the uh, intersection departures mm-hmm. and why and, and all that kind of thing. So uh, kind of extrapolated some stuff uh, from that bulletin and uh, put it in the magazine a lot of other stuff in there going to be a lot of other stuff in the january issue too so uh so there's that and there's uh <clears throat> excuse me obviously uh, uh <clears throat> excuse me again some work for uh, uh the aircraft electronics association at uh, aea.net um AIN online uh you can find me doing some stuff around there on occasion um some stuff on avweb that's uh, kind of old and then there's some stuff on generalaviationnews.com that's a little bit fresher great yeah and so normally at this point i ask you for uh, where you can find on the internet but you sort of just did that or any others you want i kind of sort of just did that yeah, yeah. Uh, on, the, on the twitter machine it's burnside j and Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. David, what have you been working on? Stuff. Yeah, I know, man. You, uh, yeah, yeah, you came back from uh, MBAA with your, your pockets full. Yeah, uh, the uh, November issue of Avionics News has a uh, couple of pieces that I uh, generated. Uh, talking about uh, ADSB options and uh, progress and the value of ADSB in and what I've got working uh, coming up is uh, for Av Buyer is a, a column this week on why there's not as much time left as you might think to meet the 2020 deadline, particularly if you're uh, flying business turbine aircraft. Uh, there's going to be some issues out there with scheduling. There's going to be some issues with equipment. Uh, and best be moving on that now because as of uh, December 1, there's 25 months left. And there are already shops that are scheduling six months, eight months, and ten months out. Yep. yep. 
Yeah. So we, don't we leave this. this when when a, year, a couple a year ago or so we were doing the math right and thinking they're going to run out of uh, of uh, avionics shop slots to. No, we, the industry has been talking about this for a couple of – let me back up. The industry has been talking about the lack of um, avionic shop capacity uh, in the last couple of years uh, for a couple of years. Um, it, this is not new to anyone who's been following any of this. Um, it hopefully is not new to operators who are going to need ADSB by uh, uh, January uh, 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, David, what publication was that in? Avionics News Magazine, the November good. issue. Yeah. So where can people find you and all this stuff on the Internet? Uh, well, AEA.net. You can uh, read Avionics News and back issues there. Avbuyer.com. You can read my uh, work on business aviation and my weekly business aviation blog there. Uh, on the Twitter machine, I'm Real Higdon. And otherwise, just do a Google search and remember, I don't play golf and my theoretical physics are truly theoretical. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. David, did you say where you are on Twitter? Real Higdon. Real Higdon on Twitter. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, just got back from uh, a, a, a trip. My, my day job took me to uh, to Las Vegas for a, a big uh, technology conference. And uh, so, interesting thing. Um, I'm I, on my way home. I'm tw- you know literally on my travel day. I, I one of the things I like to tweet on my way home or on any of these trips is you know my my routing um, for the trip. And I suddenly got a tweet. In response from someone, a listener whose name I recognize, and I've seen his name, you know, on Twitter and elsewhere for some time, um, and he says, he says, "Why were you in Las Vegas?" And I say, "Well, I was there for this technology conference at the Sands Convention Center." And he says, "He says you were at that show. I was at that show too." All right, and it turns out that we could have gotten together, listener. Um, David A is the is the uh, last name starts with A, um, who uh, it was there at that conference, and uh, and so we've since compared notes about our interest in that conference and. And, and made a note to try and get together for a beer next time. Turns out we know David. David was one of the people that we, when the three of us were together in Wichita, all those many years ago, uh-huh. and we had a little meetup at that, what's it called, David? I want to say the Hangar One, the Tower One. The What's yeah, that? Oh, Hangar One Steakhouse, yeah. And, but that's the one that has a second floor. It's sort of a... Tower it's a tower cab. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the listeners that we met up there that day was David A. Okay. And uh, and he's from the Wichita area. And I because when he when we didn't able to hook up, I said, "Oh, you got to hook up with Dave. Buy him that beer." And he says, "Well, I have from time to time." And uh, um, so, anyways. It was nice to talk cool. with him, and sorry I didn't meet him. But I was in Las Vegas. One of the things I did on the way back from Las Vegas is uh, 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 passing through the uh, the airline terminal. Um, I saw the, uh, the airplane that was flown in that long that endurance thing that we talked about on the on the podcast. A couple right, of the, the one seventy two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's hanging from the ceiling over the baggage claim area, I believe. And so I took a little selfie with that airplane in the background and uh, posted it on Twitter, um, and and got some interesting responses from people about or reactions from people about that. So, so I've been busy traveling. I was in Philadelphia for a while, where I had two of the best cheesesteak sandwiches I've had in like. 30 years. Really? I, really? I worked hard to find a good cheesesteak this time in Philadelphia and succeeded. A place called By George 
It's one of the stands in the Reading Terminal Marketplace if you're okay. in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, that's a great neighborhood. Yeah, and so uh, so uh, By George has uh, awesome cheesesteak sandwiches, and it reminds me how much I like a good cheesesteak sandwich. i got to go and see if I can find one in the in the, in the uh, area here. I'm, I'm not hopeful, but you never know. Anyways, been keeping busy. That's it. Um, uh, where can you find me? Uh, it's Now that I've gone off script here, I don't know what to say. On YouTube, uh, uh, you can find some of my YouTube videos at youtube.com slash jack hodgson on amazon search uh, for around the field in the books section for information on my uh, my around the field books follow me on twitter at jack hodgson uh, twitter.com slash jack hodgson um, and so you can sign up for my email newsletter and learn more about me than you ever really wanted to know at jack Big thanks to uh, Jeff Ward for his help uh, with the show notes and in the forums. Uh, please support the UCAP podcast by making a repeating per-episode donation of any size via the online service Patreon. You can get all the details about this at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. And while you're at it, go into iTunes and give us a review, uh, some thumbs up, some stars. It really helps get the word out. Please follow the podcast on Twitter uh, at uh, twitter.com slash class G airspace. That's all one word, class, the letter G, airspace. Uh, you never know what might turn up there. You can also listen to UCAP in the free section of Sporty's Pilot Shop's mobile app, Take Off, along with other podcasts and special Sporty's content. Get your UCAP hats, shirts, and other cool gear at the UCAP Swag Shop. That's at uncontrolledairspace.com slash store. And don't forget, you can check out the rest of the UCAP website, 11 years worth of UCAP show notes and episode downloads. Um, all of that can be found at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, something you were going to tell us. Well, yeah, an example of my contention that time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan is, uh, well, put put it in the show notes, but a gentleman that resumed flying at 92 or 93, uh, man, if that's not proof positive, I don't know what is. So remember that time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. The more you fly, the older you'll live. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. I got nothing after that. <laughs>